Thanks for joining us today. You're not here by accident. I believe that God is going to impart a message of hope to you today. And at Summit Christian Center, well, that's what we're all about, bringing messages of hope to people here and around the world. You can play a part in this by simply going online to summitsa.com. That's summitsa.com and select giving. Your giving enables us to keep the messages going forward. Thanks for joining us today and may God richly bless you. If you want something you never had, why is it so hard to realize you have to start doing something you've never done? Otherwise, you keep getting the same old, same old. And as Dr. Phil likes to say, and how's that working for you? You know, some people, 40 years, and they never even think about changing the equation. Nothing changes till you change. Nothing. If you're in sales, it won't get better till you get better. If you're in marriage, it won't get better till you get better. You can keep waiting for pixie dust to fall on you, but nothing's going to happen till you get better. And when you get better, everything changes. Everything changes. And nothing's changed in my life looking back over the years unless I changed. And if I changed, started with my thinking, then started with my action, then guess what? Everything changed. That's simple. It's so simple, people just miss it. And so we want to get off to a good start in 2018, and I'm going to share some simple thoughts to help us kind of kickstart it. Proverbs 17, verse 24 says, An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. And you know, the older I get, the faster time seems to go. I know it doesn't speed up, but it sure seems like it. And the point is that whatever you're going to do with your life, you'd better get on with it because time's running out. You never know. Bible says don't boast about tomorrow. You don't know if you'll get off the parking lot. Somebody will take you out. You have no idea. I'm a very optimistic person, but I'm also a realist, and I realize life is very fragile, and you don't have a guarantee about tomorrow. So if you're going to do something and you want something different, then by golly, you better start today. It's a good day. So if you don't have any kind of a plan and you're not doing anything with your life, well, really, it doesn't matter how many days you have left anyway. wouldn't matter. So what are you going to do with 2018? How will this year be different than this past year? Maybe for some of you, this past year presented some huge challenge. Maybe it was a year of disappointment. Maybe it was a job loss. For some, it was a major loss. Maybe a spouse, a child a loved one, died, whatever happened. For some, it's been tough. And the good news is this. We get to start over with a brand new year. God breaks life down in small bite-sized pieces. You know, days and weeks and months and years. And so every year, God allows us to wipe the slate clean and start over with a brand new year. In fact, He admonishes those of you dragging your past. Let go, forget those things that are behind and press on towards the goal in Christ Jesus. In other words, if the past is past, you can't change it, let it go. Last week I talked about letting go of what's holding you back, and I used my old commercial pilot terms about drag and lift. You know, if you want more lift, you've got to reduce drag if you're going to fly an airplane. And for some of you, if you want more lift in life, you've got to get rid of drag. And don't look at the person next to you. For some, that would be a benefit. 
It could be a business partner, an association, an addiction, something. But it's called drag, and it holds you down. And God wants you unencumbered so you can rock and roll and take off and fly high, an unlimited great future. Now, if you want the year to be better, and here's what you say. This is a typical response. I just hope it's going to be better. Watch my lips. It won't. You can hope all you want till the cows come home. It's not going to get better. You've got to have a plan to make it better. It's that simple, right? So an intelligent man aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. If you aim at something, at least you have a target, an objective. So what's your goal? Let me give you quickly four steps to maximize this new year. Number one, this is the toughest one for everybody. Assume personal responsibility for your life. Personal responsibility for your life. If you're 18 years old and you're out of the house, everything in your life now is a product of your choices. You are responsible. If you suck, it's your fault. Nobody else. So this is not a very popular concept in American culture. None of my problems are my fault. No fault divorce. No fault insurance. Well, come on. Somebody's at fault. Take responsibility if you want your life to change. You can blame the teacher, blame the environment, blame your parents, blame your boss. If you spill hot coffee in your lap driving your car, sue McDonald's. It's their fault you were stupid to put hot coffee on the dash and then drive, not knowing physics. People. You know, life is tough. But it's even tougher if you're stupid. It, come on, can I get a shout? Yeah. It's really tough. You'll never be a success in life and you'll never make your life count if that's going to be your attitude. You have to assume responsibility for your life. Get off Oprah and get off Montel and get off Dr. Phil and get your life together. You and you alone are responsible for the choices you make. You married them, you suck it up. You took the job, quit griping. You, you made the choice, now you're paying the consequences. We have freedom of choice in this country. Even God gives us freedom of choice. But you're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. And that one, you, that one takes a lot of people out. Galatians 6, verse 5. Each person must be responsible for himself. Himself. I don't know what circumstances I might face this year, neither do you, but I can control my actions and responses. And I've been doing that for many, many years, and you can do it too. So I can't control what may be coming down the pike that I don't know about and have no control over, but how I'm going to attack it and how I'm going to react, that I can control, and that I will, and you must do it too. So three types of people in life, accusers, blame everybody else for their problem, Excusers, they always have a reason for where they are. If you want to procrastinate, any reason or excuse will do. I've said it many times, excuses are the crutches of the uncommitted. There's always an excuse. Proverbs 22:13. The lazy man is full of excuses. I would like to have written that verse and I would have been a little more definitive in what you're full of. The lazy man is full of excuses. That's in the Bible, folks. Third, choosers. 
I choose to assume responsibility for my own life and happiness. I choose the direction of my life. I will live my life by a design, not by default. Some of you just washed up on the beach. You got no plan, no goal, no vision. That is living by default. Living by design means I've got a purpose, I've got a plan, I've got a strategy, I've got wisdom, and God gives me a lot of plan and skill and wisdom to make my life a design, okay? Stop saying I can't. Believe, number two, believe you can change. You can change. I remember Casey Treat many, many years ago was a convicted felon. He sold drugs and he did drugs. And I think he was about 18 years old, real loser, big red-headed. Casey's our dear friend, comes here many times. And Casey was given uh, an option by a judge. You can either go to jail, to prison, or you can go into a rehab program. That rehab program was won by an ex-Marine, African-American. And he looked at old Casey, who was real tall, red-headed, carrot top, skinny as a bone, and said, Big Red, you can change. Big Red. Casey, to this day, never forgot those words. Words are important. Big Red, you can change. And I say to everybody in this room or live stream, you can change. You've got to believe that. If you say, I can or I can't, you're both right. Philippians 4, verse 13. There is nothing I cannot master with the help of Christ who gives me strength. That means nothing in 2018 is going to hit your life, no problem, no circumstance, no setback, no crisis that God won't make you competent to handle. I've got to believe that. He said, I will not put more on you than you're able to bear. Now, don't compare your burden to somebody else's because God made you different. And God said, if I allow it, you can bear it. My grace is sufficient. So I can't go sucking my thumb and whining when I get a bad deal going. God says, however bad it seems, I'll give you strength to deal with it. I don't care if it's stage four cancer or even imminent death. I will give you grace and strength to deal with it. you got to believe that. Now, I can't do it in my own effort, but with the strength Christ gives me. That's not positive thinking. That's supernatural power. That's God's power of his Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of good self-help books on the market. Good stuff, tell you what you should do. But they don't give you the power to do it, which is why you need Jesus Christ and the power of His Holy Spirit. So I believe I can change, not in my own power, but with the power Christ gives me. I can handle anything life throws at me. The Bible's full of stories of people who changed because they believed they could change after God spoke to them. God came to a guy named Moses. I want to use you to save a nation. Moses says, look, I'm a murderer. I killed a guy. I've been kicked out of Egypt. I'm on the run. They've got a wanted poster in every post office for me. Now I'm out here in the desert feeding sheep. And besides all that, I stutter. I'm slow of speech. And you want me to be a spokesman for a nation? God said, yep, I'm going to use you. And I might add, he did. Huh? God came to a fearful man named Gideon, a time when Israel was dominated and occupied by an enemy nation. And God said, I'm going to use you, Gideon, to deliver my people. And when God spoke it to him, he's hiding in a wine press. He's a yellow-bellied coward. And God says, I'm with you, almighty warrior. Wow. And Gideon said, me? I'm the youngest kid in the poorest family in the smallest tribe in Israel. And God said, good, I'm going to use you. And he did. I, I hope you can find yourself in one of these. 
God's come to a guy named Jeremiah. He's a teenager. God wants him to be a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah says, no, I'm too young. I'm always in a funk. I'm depressed all the time. And God says, good, I'm going to use you. A depressed teenager, God help us. God, God can use anything. God can use you. God can use me. And the good news is that God wants to use you. And first, you've got to accept responsibility for your own life. And second, you've got to believe you can change. You know, I may be in a bad spot right now, but I don't ever believe that's my future. I believe this sucker will change. This is not going to stay this way. Some of you need to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You'd, do a, you'd give relief to one of your counselors if you'd just get well. Until you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, nothing's going to change. You've got to just say, I've had enough. But you've got to expect responsibility and believe you can change and that God will give you the power to change. Third, clarify what you really want. Be specific. God, God has given each of us this incredible gift called the power to choose. That's one of the things that makes you like God. In Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And one of the ways you're different than a squirrel is that you've got the power and freedom to choose between good and evil. In Job chapter 34, verse 3 and 4, the Living Bible, we can choose the sounds we want to listen to, we can choose the taste we want in food, and we should choose to follow what is right. But first of all, we've got to define among ourselves what's good. What is good means to clarify what you want. So have you decided what you really want in life? Not what somebody else wants for you. What do you want? What's really important? And if you don't know, you're going to be pushed around by the pressures of life and never ever do what is important to you. You're going to live by default and you're going to be living somebody else's life. You were busy, but you didn't accomplish anything important to you. So your values determine your vision, your desires determine your direction, and your roles determine your goals. So first stop and say, what's important to me? What really matters to me? And by the way, everything is urgent, but everything's not important. No, it's not, right? Many people have this vague feeling of, I just want to be happy. They hadn't got a clue what to make them happy. Not a clue. What would? What does God want to do with your life? Why are you here? What is your purpose? They've never written out their values. They don't have a clue. Well, let me suggest two suggestions to ask yourself. What do you value in life? And second, what do you want to change? Uh, what did James the Apostle say? You have not because you ask not. And you ask not because you've never thought about what you want to change. In James 4, verse 2, he says, and the reason you don't have what you want is you don't ask God for it. You complain to everybody on the phone, but you don't ask God for it. And so make that your New Year's prayer and go. I'd rather ask God for too much than too little. I've never found a place in, is it hot in here? Am I having male menopause? It, it's hot. Usually this place is cool. Anybody else hot out there? I see you fanning. It's not just, thank God, it's not me. Okay. It's not my fault. Okay. Where was I? I forgot. So make your prayer, make it a New Year's prayer and go. Ask God for it. God never rebuked Israel for asking for too much, but he came down on them hard for asking too little. Come on. Some of you need to, you know, you got a mouth, but use it to ask God. Be a master asker. 
I mean, and keep, here's how you compare. What, what does that mean? If you got little kids, you know what it means. They will bug the tar out of you and never let go asking for it. Can I have a puppy? Can I have a puppy? Can I have, a puppy? Can I have, can I have, can I have? And they, that's how God says you approach him. You got to, see, some of you say, well, I prayed once. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I ate a good meal once in the whole month. How oh, good. That ought to be a good weight loss program. Yeah. Come on, man. We got to be persistent, passionate people. So the reason you don't have what you want is you don't ask God for it. And keep on. It's in the Greek continuous case. It means keep on, keep on, keep on. Make this a New Year's prayer and go. Review it and clarify what you want. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. I have the right to do anything. Think about it. He says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. So be sure you use your power to choose and freedom to choose for something that's beneficial and not destructive. So some things aren't necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. That's drag. Get rid of it. Cut it off. I don't have time for everything, and neither do you. You've got two wonderful words to control the future of your life, and that's true whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. And those two words are yes and no. They will define your whole life. Jesus said, let your yes be yes, and your no. There ain't no maybe in there. It's yes or it's no. And if you, if you make a success out of your life, you'll say no more than you say yes. I'm serious. You, you can read any book anywhere, even in business management, CEOs. The more successful you are, the more responsibility you have, the more you'll say no, no. And sometimes it's not wrong. It's unnecessary. It's a detriment to our goal, vision, and what we want to do. No. I get invited to stuff all the time. Most anybody in ministry will come to this, attend this, pay for this, uh, pledge for that, come down for this. And I have to say, no, I got a life. I can't go to all these things. They're not my burden, but I got to know what mine is, where my values are. And there I say yes. So I say no to a lot of stuff, not because you're inhospitable. It's not my purpose. It's not my vision. It's not my assignment. I welcome yours. God bless you. But don't put yours on me and then say, well, Rick, Rick won't. Wait a minute. That's your assignment. Not my assignment. Don't, I won't put mine on you. Don't put yours on me. Well, thanks for that big shout. All right. goes on in the ministry all the time. So ask yourself, what's going to last? A lot of things are just not going to last. Are you, are you, it may be urgent, but it's not important. Cindy, Cindy's, my wife Cindy is always here. She's always here on the front. She's always part in the service. She greets everybody who came in. But we got a call from a babysitter with our grandchildren because our kids are out of town that he had a fever. Little Ethan had a fever. So she, what, that, what was important? Getting his kid to the hospital. So she got him to the hospital. And little sucker's got flu B. Great. Merry Christmas. Anyway, <laughs> we got him fixed up and uh, get him back home. And then she'll slip in a little bit later. But it's easy to drop your plan. Say, well, I was planning to do this. We, we make plans all the time to do stuff, and then something important comes and interrupts what was urgent, and we have to do it. That's the way you live by design. I never heard a dying man or woman from a hospital deathbed say, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. But I have heard people say to me over my years, they wish they'd spent more time with their family or their children. I've heard them say they wish they had known God better. So clarify what's important. And number four, don't wait to begin. Don't wait to begin. Do it now. Three words can change your life. Do it now. 
There's three other words that would help me. Cool it down. <laughs> Anybody in maintenance listening? Cool this sucker down. That's more words, isn't it? There's never going to be an ideal time or circumstance to start on that change you want. Ever. Here's what Ecclesiastes says. This is written by Solomon. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Isn't that true? I've, I hear people say, well, Rick, when things settle down. But things will never settle down. It's called life. It's never going to settle down. And the only time it's going to settle down is when we're putting, settling dirt down over your grave. Then it'll settle down permanently. So you have to learn to live life in unfavorable conditions. It's just the way it is. It's never going to settle down. You learn to do what you ought to do no matter what the circumstances are. If you want to spend more time with the family when things settle down, they'll be grown and gone, and they sure won't care about you. you got to spend time with your kids or wife or God when things are unsettled. And once you realize that's just the way life is, you're full. You're free. If you live under the illusion it will settle down, then you're going to be deceived all your life. So life has to be enjoyed under imperfect circumstances. By the way, we marry imperfect people. We have to work with imperfect people. Get over it. That's true. I think John Ortberg wrote a book several years ago, Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. <laughs> we all have some weirdness, all of us. So no need to point out anybody else's. So whatever you're going to do, and you should do it, do it now. Things will never settle down until you, you die. Stop waiting for a perfect day. Uh, what's that day of the week that isn't a day of the week that people up? Someday. Someday my prince will come. Someday. Shut up. <laughs> someday is not a day of the week. And that, when you live with someday, you never live today. Ever. Live today. You've only got today. Even God says, don't brag about tomorrow. You've only got now. Your life's a vapor. Boom, and it's over. So let me give you a couple of personal development goals for the new year. How did Jesus develop? Because I want to copy him. Luke 2, 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God, and favor with man. So he developed in wisdom. That's intellectual development. Second, he developed in stature. That's physical development. Third, he developed in favor with God. That's spiritual development. And fourth, he developed in favor with man. That's social development. So if you want to be well-rounded and balanced, you've got to set at least one goal in each of those areas. Ken Blanchard calls them SMART goals. S-M-A-R-T as an acronym. S is for specific. Specific goals are the ones you can accomplish. Vague goals have no power. Nothing dynamic will ever occur until your goal becomes specific. If you need more money, how much? If you said, Rick, I need more money, and I give you a quarter, I could say, I gave you more money. You said, well, that's not enough. Well, be specific. I need 10000 more a year. Be specific in your prayer to God. Uh, if you want to lose weight, how much? You want to be like Jesus. Well, how are you going to measure that? Make it specific and make them personal. In other words, they only work for you. Don't get under this illusion, I can set a goal for other people I can't control. I'm going to help my husband lose 25 pounds. Good luck. And I got a winning lottery ticket in my pocket. Yeah. No, the only goal that's going to work is the one you set personally. 
M, motivational. That goal has to motivate you or you won't even try. A, attainable. If you can't attain or reach your goal, you will get discouraged and quit. You know, Rick, I'm going to get up at 5 and pray for 3 hours. Yeah, right. Why don't we go for 5 or 10 minutes to start? Right? Make it attainable. I'm going to lose 40 pounds this month. Oh, come on. You won't lose 2 in a whole month. You've got to be specific about this thing. Then it's got to be attainable. Can I do that? R in SMART. Relevant. Don't set goals based on what somebody else thinks you ought to set. It's got to be based on your values and your priorities. And then T in SMART stands for trackable. That means I can measure my progress. I've got to know I've reached my goal. It has to be measurable, trackable. So using that SMART goal system, I want to encourage you to set one in each of these four areas Jesus did. Real simple, and we'll quit. First, in your intellectual area. What do I want to learn this year? Remember, what is that commercial? A mind is a terrible thing to waste. Proverbs 19.8, do yourself a favor and learn all you can. Then remember what you learn and you will prosper. And if you stop learning, you stop leading. You stop growing and you go into time. You can never stop learning. Some of you still use a wax string and a tin can. We have smartphones now. Right. Some of you still use paper. We got iPads and smartphones and people have their Bible on phone. It's cool. Well, I don't know how to do that. We'll get one of these young millennials to teach you. It's simple. Let them teach you how to do Instagram or Facebook. Enter the world, you old T-Rex fossil. Learn something. It won't cost you a penny. Just take a little bit of time and then you'll get better at it as you do it. Uh, Georgia Ruggio and Nico LaHood have a case for the Bible coming up Saturday, 9 to 12, with breakfast and child care. But you have to register online for the child care. And some of you will wait till 8.59 to try to, see, procrastinate. Learn something. They're going to talk about the founding of America, what was biblical, what, we've, what we're not taught in universities today secularly. Uh, you're... We're a republic, a republic, America is a republic, whether you know it or not, and to the republic to which I belong, we pledge allegiance, a covenant, a republic is based on a covenant, we elect officials to uphold that covenant, nobody knows a clue about it, nobody knows American history or the founding of this country, so they're going to give you three hours and give you fact, and that will help a lot of people. There's a lot of different classes, financial freedom with the sitters for people that can't handle their money and don't have, weren't taught by a family member. Therefore, you can get out of that ditch. But you've got to read a book. You've got to learn something. You know, if you won't read, you're no better than somebody who can't read. And, and, God, and now you've got e-book. You don't even have to carry books. I used to carry a briefcase with 30 pounds of paper in it, and paper is wood all over the world. Now I just take an iPad. And I can put 200 messages. I can keep the paper in here, USA Today, CNN. I can do it all. What was that? I can't remember. Let me Google that. Boom, boom, boom. Steve Jobs, I love you. (laughs) Steve Jobs made my life better. Yeah, that's what we want to do for people. Make it better. So what do you want to learn? Don't stop learning. Well, I'm retired now. Well, not from learning. Come on, for crying out loud. Keep learning. Second, set a physical goal. What will improve my health next year? Go to bed earlier, get on an exercise plan, change your eating habits, reduce stress, 
maybe walk every day. The Bible's full of health tips. Proverbs 17, 22, being cheerful helps keep you healthy. It is slow death to be gloomy all the time. You know, God would give some of you a health tip, would be lighten up, get happy, laughter doeth good like a medicine. That's cheaper than an antibiotic. A positive outlook, a cheerful spirit, God says that's health to your body. God made you. He knows that. Some of you need to live out of sick. The next two weeks, I'm going to talk about Scripture. I'm going to give you hundreds of them on health and healing. God says, I pray that you might be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. And even when you are sick, it has a limited effect because you understand your rights and you hold God's Word against it. And I've been here for 33 years and founded this sucker as a church and you've never seen me miss a weekend. There have been plenty of weekends I'd rather stay at home. There have been weeks that I didn't feel good, but I've never been too sick to miss. I, I don't get it. If, you, if you're well enough to uh, go out and go shopping to a mall on Black Friday, or you could come on early Sunday or Saturday church. See, but people don't. They're just lazy, and they just think life's going to get better. God, it's not going to get better. How many of you feel like, you know, how would you like to be married to some old grouch? Never in a good mood, always griping. And even, even God talks about a nagging woman. And what he says about that is really, really bad. He said, it'd be better for me to get a piece of bread, go to the corner of a house, and a little, a little morsel of bread and a cup of water, and stay out there on the roof somewhere, rather than go in a house with her. <laughs> this is... This is not a marriage seminar, <laughs> but it's about being cheerful, keeps you healthy. For some, so lighten up. Being cheerful keeps you healthy. Number three, spiritual goals. What one thing would make a big difference in your spiritual relationship with God? Not ten things, one thing. Have you accepted Christ? Have you been baptized since you were a believer? Have you, have you joined your church family? You, you know, maybe connect with a small group. Have you yielded your gifts to serve in some capacity? Have you learned to trust God with your money and tithe? Well, what's your goal? Number four, set a social goal. How will my ministry impact others? What can I do to minister to others? So don't just think of yourself. God never blesses selfishness. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you some special ability. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Notice, be sure to use the gifts he's given you or ability to help each other. And anytime you help other people, it's service. And you serve God by serving others. That ought to be a, a year's, uh, what would you call it, a resolution for some of you to get off the bench and get in the game spiritually. Stop watching others play in the game and make the decision you're going to put your gifts and your talents into action. And remember, these resolutions won't work unless you put that verse under your belt. 1 Peter 4, God's given each of you some special ability. Be sure to use it to help each other. That's a command from God. Is it getting hotter or is it just me? I, I, Ephesians 6, 10. Maybe we ought to open the doors or something. I let the cold air in. Ephesians 6, 10. Last of all, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. And that's the difference between self-help psychology and Christianity. God gives me the power to do what is right to do. 
The Lord's mighty power within you gives me the power to make my commitment and to keep it. When you say, I want to do what's right, but I don't, welcome to the human race. That's called your sin nature. And everybody in this room, including me, has it. Isn't it true? We often do wrong things we know are harmful, but we do them anyway. That's part of that old nature. And that's what Jesus came to down across to deal with. Almost through. Romans 6, verse 10. Yes, when Christ died, he died to defeat the power of sin one time, enough for all time. He now has a new life, and his new life is with God. In the same way, you should see yourselves as being dead to the power of sin and alive with God through Christ Jesus. Last week, we celebrated Christmas. Not once in the Bible, nowhere does it say, celebrate my birth. Not one. But over and over, we're told to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Why? Because it's through the power of his cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, that sin had its power broken. It cannot have dominion over me. So if you're in this room with an addiction, particularly as a believer, it has no legal right to have dominion over you. You can be freed of that. You can change. You have to know that. You know, as a man thinks, so is he. So if you think you can't, you'll stay in bondage to the enemy all your life. There's something far worse than procrastinating about goals and its refusal to give your life to Jesus. Don't drag that indecision into this new year. See, open your heart to Jesus who wants to set you free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. So my sins have been judged on the cross and forgiven and sin doesn't now when I sin now it's not because it has power over me it's just because my ugly self wanted to didn't have dominion over me I drove 85 when I should have been driving 50 and I did it on purpose and I did it willingly if I hear anybody say I'll probably sin a thousand times a day and just don't know it let me slap you anytime I do wrong I know it whether it's my attitude or my reaction or my speech it wasn't the devil had power. No, I just yielded to it because I wanted to. And I'm learning more and more how not to do that. But I do believe it has no power to dominate me. It doesn't mean you can't sin. It just means it doesn't have power to keep you there. You can be free from it. You get on an airplane and they always say, in the unlikely event of depressurization, oxygen mask will drop. Notice, in the unlikely event, out of millions of flying hours, it rarely ever happens. It could happen, it has happened, but it's rare. And so that's why we have in the unlikely of event I fail. I don't make it a practice as a believer. I've got power to overcome it, to make choices I want to make and tell my stinking flesh, get off the speedometer. Get off the accelerator, Ricky. Yeah, a guy flashes lights at you. There's trouble ahead. Get off that accelerator. <laughs> I thought if I confess my, my f flaws to you, it helps some of you realize you make bad choices and sinful choices. But God's given us mercy, and He's given us forgiveness, and He's given us grace. But I'm telling you, you don't have to, for God's sake, you shouldn't live in it. You don't have any right to live under the power and dominion of sin. You can be changed, you can be transformed, and you can be free. Or Jesus died for nothing and rose from the dead. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.